Surprise! This week, Troy and I wanted to share with all of our listeners a bonus episode that we normally release to our Patreon subscribers only. If you enjoy this episode, you can also get access to discounts from the online store, early access to events, private paranormal meetups, private ghost hunts, lectures, tours, and books from Troy that are not available to the public. So if you'd like to become an American Hauntings VIP, you can sign up at patreon.com slash American Hauntings. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash American Hauntings. Welcome to the latest bonus episode of American Hauntings, the podcast dedicated to the history, hauntings, legends, and lore of America's past. Compiled by Troy Taylor, that's me, and produced by Cody Back, our bonus episodes are for our Patreon members only. And in them, we take a look at strange stories, astonishing legends, and ghostly tales that are not necessarily part of the regular content of the podcast. Although these latest ones have been. So enjoy some bonus materials to go along with the story of the St. Louis exorcism. If you're listening to this bonus episode of the podcast in the fall of 2018, then you're undoubtedly aware that we are deep into the story of the 1949 St. Louis exorcism during the regular bi-weekly episodes of the podcast. You're probably also aware that the true story of the exorcism, which I recounted in my book, The Devil Came to St. Louis, inspired both the film, The Exorcist, and the novel by William Peter Blatty. With some of our bonus episodes, I wanted to offer subscribers a few of the other famous exorcisms in history that also inspired Blatty's book. The story that follows is perhaps the most famous, and as you'll soon see, contains elements of horror that Blatty used in his novel. But keep in mind that this is no work of fiction. This story, according to everyone who experienced it firsthand, is true. It occurred nearly two decades before the exorcism in St. Louis, and it took place in Erling, Iowa. It's a story of a young woman named Emma Schmidt, and it's become known as one of the most chilling and horrific cases of possession in American history. The exorcism lasted for an incredible 23 days, and no one involved ever stopped having nightmares about the terrible events that occurred. The horror truly began in Wisconsin, years before it came to an end in Iowa. Emma Schmidt led an ordinary life, until the death of her father, that is. Soon after, her strange behavior became a mystery to her friends and neighbors. Years later, Emma explained it by saying that her father had cursed her upon his death because she'd refused to give in to his incestuous demands that he'd placed on her after her mother had died. Emma always believed that her father had handed her over to the devil. Her fears intensified after his death and her personality began to change. The once sensitive and religious young woman became increasingly angry, hurling obscenities and laughing inappropriately during church services and in public places. Many of the local people who'd known the girl her entire life remarked on this bizarre behavior. Doctors who examined her first believed that she was either hysterical or prone to nervous spells and hallucinations, but they couldn't find anything wrong with her. She was a medical mystery, they thought, and they ran test after test. All of them proved to be negative, but there was obviously something wrong. After exhausting the doctors, Emma appealed to the church for help. 
Several of the priests that she spoke with agreed with the findings of the physicians that Emma was clearly hysterical and in need of psychiatric help. Others disagreed. The woman understood languages that she'd never heard nor read, they claimed. When a priest blessed her in Latin, she foamed at the mouth with rage. If she was handed an object that was sprinkled with holy water, she would scream curses and blasphemy and throw it against the wall. Slowly, very slowly, it began to be realized there was something going on with this woman that could not be easily dismissed. The church had long taken the rite of exorcism seriously and only after intense study and observation and the passing of a number of years did the priests agree that Emma was possessed by one or more evil spirits. Father Theosophilus Reisinger, a monk and a man with past experiences with exorcisms, agreed to take on the case. He knew Emma well. She was a member of his parish in Marathon, Wisconsin, but he did not want to embarrass her by carrying out an exorcism at home. He soon arranged for her to travel to Iowa and the town of Erling, where there was a convent of Franciscan sisters. Joseph Steiger, the parish priest at Erling, was a longtime friend of Father Reisinger. But he was not eager for the exorcism to take place in his parish. It was only after the urging from his friend and the mother superior of the convent that he agreed. Emma traveled to Erling by train, passing the time alone, filled with desperate worry over what was about to take place. She knew that she wanted the demons to be banished from her, but she was also overwhelmed with anger and rage, apparently brought on by the same demons that were plaguing her. When she stepped off the train at the station, she waved her arms wildly at the nuns who came to collect her. She screamed at them and called them foul names before inexplicably going limp. The startled but dedicated sisters gathered Emma and her belongings and helped her into their car. The group rode in silence to the convent. Father Reisinger arrived later that evening, but the first signs of trouble had already appeared around Emma. A well-meaning nun in the kitchen had sprinkled her food with holy water, and the enraged Emma threw it on the floor, screaming that the food smelled horrible. When unblessed food was substituted for the first tray, she devoured it, almost without chewing. There was no way that Emma could have known that either tray containing the same items, except for the holy water, of course, was different from the other. The exorcism began early the next morning. Emma was brought into a room that had been set aside for the ritual and placed on the mattress of an iron bed. The sleeves and the skirt of her dress were tightly bound and Father Reisinger instructed several of the nuns to hold her firmly to the bed. The exorcist with Father Steiger standing beside him began to pray. Then as she would on every day that followed, Emma sank into unconsciousness. Her eyes closed so tightly they could not be forced open. Almost as soon as she entered the trance state, however, she tore loose from the sisters who were holding her and by some mysterious force reportedly flung her body from the bed into the air and against a nearby wall. She was pinned there by something so strong that neither priest could pull her free. The nuns, now trembling with fright, tugged at her until they finally were able to pull her loose and returned her to the bed. Moments later, the exorcism continued and Emma began to howl. Although according to the statements of those present, her mouth never opened. Howling inhuman sounds and guttural growls issued forth from her throat, but her lips never moved. 
News of the exorcism spread throughout the nearby community and people came from all over the surrounding area to see for themselves what was happening at the convent. Crowds assembled beneath the windows of the room where Emma was kept, but many of them left, reportedly unable to stand the excruciating sounds that came from inside. Over the course of the next few days, those inside the room endured the ordeal with Emma. Twelve nuns took turns attending to her, afterwards leaving the building to get fresh air and often to weep. Only Father Reisinger remained composed. Emma, seemingly helpless to what was happening to her, continually frothed the mouth and then spewed out torrents of stinking vomit that filled both pitchers and pails. She had scarcely eaten for days and yet was said to have thrown up as many as 30 times in a single afternoon. On several occasions when the exorcist brought the blessed sacrament near Emma, he saw her flesh twist and contort as though something was moving beneath her skin. The exorcism continued from early in the morning until late at night, every day, hour after hour. The bellowing voices and cries continued to come from the stricken woman, and the howling like that of an animal broke the usual stillness of the convent. At times, the voices became so frightening that Father Steiger and the nuns fled from the room. Father Reisinger persisted in his task, though, praying and calling for the devils to leave Emma. His work was so strenuous that he often had to change his sweat-soaked clothing as many as three times a day. During the sessions, a number of voices allegedly came through Emma. They claimed to be various demons and evil spirits from her past, including her father, who had tried to force her to have sex with him, and even her father's mistress, who, according to the priest's report, had murdered her own children. During this manifestation, Emma was said to have vomited with such violence that Father Reisinger and Father Steiger had to use towels to clean the fluid from their clothing. Whatever was expressing itself in these voices, it demonstrated an uncanny knowledge of things that could not have been known to Emma. On one occasion as a test, a piece of paper with a Latin inscription was placed on Emma's head. The nuns, thinking the words were prayer, were surprised to see that the demons tolerated its presence. The words actually had no religious content at all. However, when a second piece of paper, which had been secretly blessed, was placed on Emma's head, it was immediately ripped to pieces. As the exorcism continued day after day, Emma was unable to eat, and the nuns were only able to get liquid down her throat. In a short time, it would come right back up again. Her now emaciated body was said to no longer resemble anything human. Her head swelled and her features distorted. Her eyes bulged and her lips bloated to twice their normal size. They were so swollen that the nuns feared that her skin might actually burst. In spite of the fact that she could not eat and that she'd lost a tremendous amount of weight, those who attended to Emma claimed that her body became so inexplicably heavy that the iron bed on which she rested bent and curved so that it almost touched the floor. As the exhausting days passed, a change came over Father Steiger. He developed a strong dislike for the entire procedure, almost a hatred, and began to dislike Father Reisinger, his old friend. In one moment of anger, he screamed at the exorcist and called him foul names, but Father Reisinger took it in stride, explaining that the demons were using the priest against him as a weapon. The more he tried to save Emma, the worse the abuse became. As the voices that came from Emma began berating Father Steiger, his friend commanded they leave him alone. The battle was with him, he shouted, but the voices only laughed and continued to threaten Father Steiger. Just wait until Friday, they warned. Sick of the constant howling, Father Steiger tried to ignore the voices, but then on Friday, a day he'd been warned about, 
he nearly lost his life. It happened as he was returning from performing the last rites for the mother of a local farmer. On his return to Erling, he crossed a bridge over a ravine and would later claim that a large black cloud suddenly descended on the car. Unable to see, he yanked the vehicle into low gear, but it was too late to stop. The automobile veered to the side and collided with the steel railings of the bridge. Metal smashed and glass shattered and the car tore through the rails until it was left hanging, teetering on the edge of the ravine. A farmer who was plowing a field a short distance away heard the crash and came running. He managed to pull Father Steiger from the wreckage. The priest was stunned and numb with shock, but unhurt. The farmer was kind enough to drive him to the convent, and when he arrived, he went straight to Emma's room. As he walked in, she began to laugh uproariously. A guttural voice from inside of her laughed at the priest and celebrated the destruction of his car. Father Reisinger and the nuns were shocked and asked if this was true. Father Steiger agreed that it was, but added the demon did not have the strength to hurt him personally. The voice cursed and stated that only the priest's patron saint had saved his life. On several occasions after this, Father Steiger continued to be bedeviled by the spirits. He was often awakened at night by knocking coming from inside of his walls, scratching noises and weird banging sounds that often lasted throughout the night. But none of this could match the suffering endured by Emma Schmidt. She continued to lose consciousness each day as the exorcism began and would only awaken late at night when it was over. She remembered nothing of what transpired during the day, the violent sickness she suffered from or the horrible curses that came from her mouth. She was soon too weak to stand or walk. She had to be carried back and forth between her private quarters and the exorcism room. The nuns feared she might die before the exorcism could end. The events continued for more than two weeks before there was any indication that the spirits might be forced out of Emma's body. At that point, Father Reisinger doubled his efforts and for three days and nights, he continued the exorcism without sleep and with very little rest. In addition to what must have been nerves of steel, the priest also seemed to have an incredible powers of endurance. But even so, Toward the end of the third night, he became so weak that he nearly collapsed. He prayed to God to spare his life, and finally, the marathon session was finished. The end seemed to be near, and later the nuns would testify that a miraculous figure appeared to Emma one day and urged her not to give up hope. The nuns claimed they saw a cluster of white roses appear on the ceiling of the room, but it disappeared before Father Steiger could be brought in to see them. Regardless, the sign gave hope to the priest, and he and Father Reisinger both knew that the horror was finally reaching its climax. More days of pain and exhaustion followed, but on September 23, 1928, at 9 p.m., Emma Schmidt jerked free from the hands of the nuns who held her, and she stood up on the bed with only her heels still touching the mattress. Fearful she might be hurled against the wall again, or perhaps this time the ceiling, Father Steiger urged the sisters to pull her back down. As they reached for her, Father Reisinger blessed her and demanded once more that the demons depart. At that moment, Emma reportedly collapsed, and the sounds of screams and piercing voices filled the room. Everyone froze as Emma contorted one last time and then opened her eyes and smiled. As she looked from one face to another, she began to weep. Her torment was over. The exorcism was finally finished at last. Everyone was so happy that it took them several seconds to notice the stomach-churning smell of human waste that filled the room. It was the final indignity left behind by the departing spirits, it was said. The nuns opened all the windows and a fresh, cool breeze 
blew across the sills, driving out the foul odors. There was little to say in the aftermath of the Erling case. Had Emma Schmidt truly been plagued by demons or evil spirits? The exorcism caused a heated debate among members of the Catholic Church as many of them continued to believe she was a troubled woman who had only been in the grips of hysteria. This may have been the case, but even if it was, Emma lived a quiet and peaceful life after the exorcism was over and was never bothered by these troubles again. For the rest of his life, Father Reisinger maintained that she had been possessed. Father Steiger and the Franciscan sisters agreed. Emma Schmidt had battled against the forces of evil and, with the help from two priests and a dedicated group of nuns, had managed to survive. Thanks for listening, and we hope you've enjoyed, although that might have been tough to enjoy, a look at some of the strangest stories that America has to offer. If you like the bonus episodes, we hope you'll spread the word about the Patreon memberships and help us expand American hauntings in the future. This episode of the podcast was written by Troy Taylor, and it was produced and edited by Cody Beck for our Patreon subscribers only. <laughs>